ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So when I was a little girl, I wanted to be my mom. Like, really, I thought that she absolutely walked on water. I really just wanted to be her favorite. Right. For some reason, I was the one who got the front seat in the car, even though I'm the youngest, but like I always got to sit in the front seat. And all I wanted, I wanted that special time with my mom. I wanted, you know, to be the one she would pick me up from school. And then we would have like a little bit of time to watch a show before my brother and sister came home. And I just really wanted her to adore me and to be her favorite. And I guess, truth be told, maybe some of that still exists in me, even as an adult woman, because this mother daughter relationship is so powerful. And I look at my mom, I still see her as superwoman. I still see her as perfect in a million ways. And of course, as an adult, I can see her imperfections too, but I can see how much our relationship matters. And then I started digging into the research on this. I've had a lot of you out there say to me, Karen, will you please have a mother-daughter retreat? Will you please do more on mother-daughter? Like, what about my teenage daughters? Or your adult women, and you're saying, I want to do something with my adult mother and bond our relationship. And it is fascinating once we start to dive in about how important the mother-daughter relationship is to each of us. And that's why I'm doing this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. And I've brought two experts who are going to help us really work through understanding the mother-daughter dynamic and how to make it thrive. And then we're going to share with you how we are going to be creating an experience for you to come together with your daughter, with your mother in an incredible retreat. So you're going to want to stay tuned until the end of the episode because it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime incredible opportunity. So first, let me introduce my guest today. Back for her second appearance on the Purpose Girl podcast, Lisa Lapidus is passionate about working with clients on personal growth in both individual and group sessions. She has worked in private agencies as well as school-based settings and wilderness programs. Having completed extensive studies in the grief recovery method, Lisa specializes in helping others work through grief and loss. She's an incredible therapist. In fact, she owns her own Empower Therapy group in her area. She finds it most rewarding to help her clients replace self-loathing with self-love and to move from I can't to I can. Lisa emphasizes a family systems approach, believing that we are all connected, that what happens to one individual in a family or community affects us all. My second guest is Crystal Murray Mills, and Crystal is a licensed therapist in Washington State, and she has a private practice in Spokane, Washington. She's an internationally accredited therapist with the University of Queensland's Positive Parenting Program and the University of Washington's Promoting First Relationships. She has nearly two decades of working with children and families toward growth and healing. Both of these incredible women, these incredible therapists and counselors, coaches, each of them also is a mom to daughters. 
So they have their personal experience and their professional experience, and I'm so excited to welcome both of them to the Purpose Girl podcast. Lisa, Crystal, welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Karen. I'm so happy that you're here. So let's start with, as I've been really researching the mother-daughter relationship, there is an absolute connection between mothers and daughters, unlike any other connection out there. So Lisa, from your experience, both personally and professionally, tell us why this mother-daughter relationship is so different. What do you see and notice? First of all, a, a mother relationship with a mother and a son is like no other. Um, they're a part of you. They grow into you and um, they're the center of your universe. You, you, you stop being the center of your own universe when you give birth. I think your heart kind of comes out your birth canal and grows mm-hmm. legs and starts running around, right? Right. Your heart is outside of your body. And all you think is, oh, careful with that. <laughs> um, but I think it goes, it's, it's biological. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, new research shows that in a female's brain, um, the cells in the DNA of every child she's ever carried is, is actually located in our brain forever. So there's a biological connection as well as an emotional um, connection, probably the strongest connection there is. And also not just the mother to the child, but the child to the mother. Um, So, you know, there's a a saying that I heard someone say once, like in a field of zebras, a baby zebra knows which one is their mother. They know the heartbeat, Mm. smell, they know the sound. And so there's a, there's just a biological and an emotional connection like no other. Wow. I've also heard that in a room of crying babies, a mother can identify her own. And yeah. of course, each of you as mothers probably can attest to that. Since I'm not a mother, I, I hear crying babies and they sound the same, but there is this connection. And, and there was a research study fairly recently in the Journal of Neuroscience that showed that actually the connections, while the connections between mothers and sons and fathers and daughters and fathers and sons, of course, is incredibly solid and like no other kind of love and relationship, it looked like there was a 2016 study of 35 families that actually showed that the part of the brain that regulates emotions is more similar between mothers and daughters than any other pairing. And so there's this emotional connection, emotional similarity between mothers and daughters. And I'm curious, Crystal, in your work, and I know you work with a lot of young women Um, a lot of, whether it's teenagers or or early 20s, of course, with others as well. What do you notice about this emotional connection and this kind of reliance between mother and daughter? First of all, Karen, I think one of the things that I've noticed more than anything is working with moms and um, working on moms with their maternal mental health and seeing how essentially as well as the mother's doing is as well as the child is doing, correct? So what we see is that, and in that same study, the one that you're quoting from the Journal of Neuroscience in 2016, what it also talks about is that if a mother's mental health experiences um, are negative, that it reflects on the child and vice versa. So it's really right. important that mothers work on their own mental health. And I think that that's one of the reasons I started working with women that were younger, even before they became mothers, to try to um, establish a stronger base and support system for them prior to the choice to become a mother, because it essentially, I think, helps everyone. Um, but yeah, mother, mother and daughter relationships influence each other for better or worse than all other relationships too. It's kind of the solid foundation and base. Yeah, thank you for saying this. This is so important because when I talk to a lot of moms out there, a lot of women, they would do anything for their child, right? It's like no amount of money, no amount of, you know, struggle, anything for what the child needs. But when it comes to giving it to herself, 
mom often takes the back seat or back of the bus, right, after 10 other people. And yet here we have the research that shows that a mom's mental health directly impacts her child, her daughter. So maybe you even have some examples, of course, without talking about names, but what have you seen? There's many evidence-based practices that especially like we were discussing, I have an accreditation through the University of Washington. It's called Promoting First Relationships. Mm. And what the the focus on that was, um, and I um, no longer contract with child and protective services, but I was doing a lot of work with them. And um, essentially all families, when you're working to make the child's mental health better, you work directly with the mom to understand her child's cues. And a lot of times that establishes um, triggers for them to understand some of their own mental health stuff from when they were children. And mm. that makes that child and that makes that um, bonding and attachment stronger. Mm, mm. This is incredible. Bonding and attachment. Tell us a little bit about attachment. You know, it's that theory that almost any mental health professional knows about, but most people kind of are clueless to in their daily lives. Attachment, um, you know, once you're born, I mean, we're, we're social beings, correct? And so we, we thrive off of, of getting our social and emotional needs met. And we are unable to do that unless we have a primary attachment figure. And oftentimes that is someone's mother. It can mm -hmm. be their father, but most of the time, you know, mothers are the ones doing the caretaking. And so it's, it's essential that for a healthy development of a child, for the mother to have be able to meet um, the child's social and emotional needs. And that means being able to meet, to read their cues. Mm -hmm. And so essentially attachment is that ability to um, have that understanding of one another. The mother is able to meet the child's needs. And then essentially, like we're talking about motherhood, you get some of your needs met, right? And, and progress mm -hmm. emotionally by getting some of your needs met from your children as well. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was hosting a retreat this weekend and a woman was talking honestly about her challenges as a mother. Her kids are early teens, like preteen and early teen. And honestly, it's kind of H-E-L-L -L right now. Like it is really, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of hormones. There's a lot of rebellion. And, you know, and here I am, someone who wants a child that's a little bit like, oh, well, do I want to get into that? But we do. We we still, so many women, not every woman, so many women still do want to become a mother knowing that there's so much challenge ahead. But it's because we do get something out of that as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Lisa, what do you notice? You know, what I was thinking about as you were talking um, about those H-E-L-L uh, years, you mm -hmm. know, you start out and the attachment starts, you know, we start with trust versus mistrust, um, you know, in the stages of development. And in the beginning, you know, the eyesight of an infant is actually 12 inches, which is from the crook of your arm to your eyes so that you start with the attachment with eye contact, right? Wow. And then um, that touch is so important for thriving. And then you teach them to walk and you teach them to, you know, you teach them to do everything, talk. And they're you're the center of your universe because their survival depends on it, right? Then yeah. they get into these teen years. There's a book that's really hilarious about the teen years, but also, um, you know, evidence-based called Get Out of My Life, But First Will You Take Me and Cheryl to the Mall? <laughs> and, and the book is as hilarious as its title, but it's also true, right? So by the time they get to the teen years, it's evident to them and it's evident to you that it's time for them to get ready to leave. And that's a crisis on both sides, right? So 
the parents are clinging, say, thinking, um, have I given them everything they need? Mm. You know, I only have this much time left for them to be healthy, happy, independent adults. Right. And the kids have switched from looking to mom and dad for their identity to looking to their peers for identity, but that's scary to them too. So, you know, it's a painful thing for both to kind of turn and walk away from each other or get ready to do that because that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And we're the only ones in the animal kingdom that it's like that for, you know? Mm. Um, Right, right. Because we do raise our children for much longer than anywhere else in the animal kingdom. And of course, that's because of how large our brain is and we can think more complex and backward and forward. And this is so fascinating. So we get to that point. And I know a lot of moms are out there, maybe in that teenage place or maybe even younger or, or you know, young adult. But so many moms are out there going, I want a closer connection. How do I get through Right. How do I get through to my child? Yeah, I think that's also um, interesting because that relationship changes so mm. much and it's a daily relationship. Right. So it starts out where they're caretaker. We're the ones that keep them safe. It's our job to keep them safe. But then we have to let them go. Mm. Um, and we have to do that slowly. And um, mm. it might be the toughest thing there is, you know, to yeah. make sure they have what they need. And I think that we can all agree as women too that we're so busy just living our lives that we're not making the time to do that intentionally, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 actually meet each other's needs. And and it becomes this this whole cycle of I'm running you to soccer practice or you know picking you up from school and getting all these your homework done and doing all these things, all these demands that we have in our daily lives that aren't setting us up to have intentional time with our children. In fact, most of the time when someone comes into my office and they have a child that's having behavioral issues, I'll ask them, well, how much individual time is that child getting from you? And I'll ask them just to even make the goal of 10 minutes a day. And oftentimes they'll, t- they'll come in and tell me they weren't even able to do that, which at least you can appreciate the honesty, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it starts with that, that honest place. Bravo to these people for saying that. And it makes me think of what we were saying a few minutes ago, well, how many of us are taking 10 minutes of intentional time for ourselves? Correct. Right. And so what our children learn is they're learning from us how life needs to be. So what I'm hearing, Crystal, is, and I hadn't even thought of that because you think, well, I'm with with my kids all the time. I'm driving them here. I'm doing that. But intentional time. So what would you consider as intentional time? I think even just, you know, like the research says from Daniel Siegel, just the importance of even play. Like if your children Mm. were younger to be on the floor and give them those 10 minutes or to read a book or to make sure you turn off the radio in the car and actually have a conversation with your child about what they, you know, what kind of day they had at school and and, and kind of what was going on with their friends. You know, mealtimes are a difficult one for me. I don't like to cook, right? Like, (laughs) Love your honesty. Love your honesty. Always, right? So it's things like, you know, I, I... I prefer to go out to eat and sit down with my children and have conversations with them that I think are more meaningful than me stressing out around, you know, around the kitchen trying to cook something up. I think mm. it's just being very intentional about giving them that attention, that attention, which is difficult. Um, both of you are well aware. I have twins. And so I have two girls that have to compete for my time and always have. And so mm. I really struggle with that as a parent. And and I think like we've talked about, it, being honest about our struggles as parents really puts us in that that time to to slow down and, and realize that other people are going through the same things that we are. And that's the importance of group, right? Right, right, right. That Because how many, I mean, how many of you out there 
you're driving, wherever you're listening to this, and you feel alone. You know, I, again, on this retreat this this weekend, as a woman was sharing about her honest experience of parenting at this moment, of course, it doesn't mean all moments, she was scared to do so. She said she hadn't shared that. And fortunately, the other women who were moms in the room said, me too. But we're all feeling alone in this, and we're not. And I love, that's what you're saying, Crystal, about having a group of women, you know, I love to think of a sisterhood who you can say, ouch, here's my challenge. And someone else can go, you're not alone, honey, and hug you. Well, and I think I think that's one of the things is that when the, we're kind of in this environment, we're forced to, well, we're not forced to, but we feel forced to do this yard sticking and instead mm-hmm. um, coming in an environment where you can be more truthful and reflective about what's really going on emotionally for you and in your relationship with your child and seeing that other people how they view you and and have that reflection from them. And then for you to be able to give that to someone else in pure honesty is a really a healing process. Mm, so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Lisa. To address the mommy guilt, you know, um, right. I think that <laughs> sometimes, you know, there's a book called The Good Enough Mother, right? And um, it's kind of an oxymoron because it's really, really difficult to ever be good enough as a mother, because I mean, or feel good enough. You actually are good good enough to feel good enough. (laughs) And that's actually, that's the story of the book. It's really that um, if you're doing the best you can, it has to be good enough because it's all you've got. Mm. And to realize that, you know, um, there's no bigger job, no more important job, but then life comes in and you end up wondering, did I do this right? Did I say that right? Was I there enough? Mm. What was their experience with me? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we take away what our experience was with our mothers mm-hmm. and not just the good, but the bad. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to, I think, cause you know, growing up, mommy could always kiss it better, make mm-hmm. it better. And so we expect them to be able to make everything better. And then we mm-hmm. expect ourselves to be able to make everything better. And, um, it's just such a fine line to feel good about the mothering as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's do also like because I think we all have that feeling of not enough. Yeah, we we do. Whether you're a mom or you're not, you're a daughter listening to this. You may have this experience uh, about your mother and and feeling like, wow, I wish my mom knew that she was, she is wonderful, that she is worthy, that she did a good job. Also, there's the there's the flip mm. that there are a lot of resentments that a lot of us have for what our mothers warrant also. And I think that can be as important to rectify as understanding that there's both. When my mother passed away, I had said, you know, I could write a book using all true statements and make her the heroine. And I could write a book using all true statements and make her the villain. Mm. And neither one is completely accurate because um, they're both true and there's a lot in the middle that's true as well. So looking at the whole experience can be important too. Wow. You're so right. We can, there any story we can retell in a couple of different ways. And this is why I've been really feeling into, and, and I've received so many emails from people, whether it was the Sirius XM radio show that I was on or through the podcast about creating experiences for mother and daughter to heal and to bond. And I'm thinking about what you had said a few minutes ago, Crystal, around needing kind of that retreat, that safe space, that getaway to know that you're not alone, 
And to have that quality time is so important, which, you know, spoiler alert, the three of us are going to be leading a mother-daughter retreat coming up. And I'm so excited about it and so excited to share this with all of you so that, that we really can all support each other in having these relationships. One of the things that I've been really paying attention to lately, Dove has had a series of videos about the mother-daughter relationship. And one of the videos shows mothers, and and this is real, this is not, these are not actors, but talking about their, the body parts that they dislike in themselves. Totally private. We'll have a link in the show notes to this video because it's really extraordinary. And one mother will say, well, I don't like my nose. Another one will say, I don't like my thighs. And then separately, they interview their daughters. And the daughters are age range, maybe nine, maybe 11, maybe 14, and individually ask the daughters what parts of their bodies do they like and don't like. And to AT, every single daughter repeats exactly the same thing. I mean, a daughter who was maybe eight or nine said she didn't like her nose. And her mom said, oh my God, that's what I say. I don't like my nose. And most women I know are super conscious. They say, you know, I never talk about it. Yeah, I don't like this about my body. I don't like that. But I never talk about it in front of my kids. Yet somehow they're picking it up. So what do you both notice about how a woman feels about herself and the impact that that makes on her daughter? Oh, that's so, that's a loaded question. (laughs) It is a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Personally, professionally, both. I think that um, what we want for our daughters, I know when my daughter was going through sorority rush at the University of Alabama um, and we were buying her clothes and we were, you know, we had to have the name brand Tori Birch this and that. And um, all I wanted was, I was like, you know, baby, all you need to do is wear your smile and your confidence. That's the best outfit you've got. Mm. Um, But then also in the back. Can we make that into a mug? Yeah. (laughs) That is so good, Um, Lisa. So and all I thought was, boy, I've tried to raise her and tried to instill in her um, everything, her knowing everything good about herself. And now she's going to go display herself to be torn apart. You know, I felt oh. like, I, you know, it was just such a probably one of the most protective times I have felt as a mother. And I think thinking about what it would have been like for me to go in there, um, I was more horrified for her than I would have been for myself. Um mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so I was thinking about how when I go, you know, the outfit for this thing is so important or for this or that, if you're going to be seen on a video or, Mm. um, you know, speaking at an engagement and you become more worried about, you know, sometimes the clothes or the appearance or the outer layer than the inner layer. And um, you don't want to give them that, right? But it's hard to protect them from the world too. Sure, sure, sure. What about you, Crystal? What do you see? I feel I feel like it always depends on the inside of the parent, correct? So I think I think when we have issues of our own, if we and we recognize them from our childhood, we're able to communicate with our children about maybe what their wants and needs are better. But the funny thing mm. is, like a good example for me is me growing up. My mom, um, I, I looked at her often as being kind of a victim. Like she cried a lot, and so I think it made me kind of lose insight into this idea that I had to be strong all the time. And actually, the first few years of my own parenting, I made a huge point of never crying in front of my children. And then Mm. I've always found that kind of interesting because I'd be in my office and I'd be telling somebody that they needed to be vulnerable to another person. (laughs) 
children. I'm like, how is it that I can't be vulnerable in front of my own children? So I think I, you know, and I realized that on the flip side, I could be giving my girls some sort of, and, and that's just the way it is, right? We're constantly like worried about these neuroses we could put on our own children. But I, I realized that that I was, I was making my children not see that I was vulnerable and that it was okay to be hurt or it was okay to, you know, figure out ways to have, to, to solve problems and, and to communicate that to people. And, and, you know, especially when your own children hurt you. And that's something that I've struggled with where it was like, I don't mm. think I have them see that they've done this to me where it is important for us to be vulnerable. And, and so I think it, like I said, it's about the insight. It's about if we don't, mm-hmm. if we don't get insight into some of our own things from our own childhood and how we were parented, then a lot of times we repeat those patterns. And so the mm. most important thing that we can do is kind of look at ourselves and, and look at, where that might come from and realize like we're talking about in an environment like a retreat where you can have a reflection from another person that sees you in such a kind way and be able to communicate Mm. back to you in such a kind way, uh, their own process and what they see and and what you see in them. And, and so Mm. I think, I think that's helpful Mm -hmm. for that insight, you know, because the research does show that most people with pretty, um, and, and we all have elements of mental health stuff, but you know, if, if we have a lot of emotional issues, a lot of times it's because we have very little insight and, um, into how we're being perceived in the world and what really, what our reality is in, in, um, contrast to others. I think also like our experiences as a child, our experiences as a daughter, after we become a mother have such a huge influence on how we do it. And um, like Crystal was saying, you know, she went the other way. Like she saw the things that hurt her and tried to do the opposite. So it's like Carl Jung, you know, um, the greatest influence on a child is the unlived life of its parent. Right. Mm. So sometimes we, you know, try to overcorrect um, things that hurt us and we might, you know, be harmful in the other direction. So I think in the in the setting of a retreat to be able to be really open and honest as mothers, daughters, especially wouldn't it be cool to have a triple generation, um, Mm. you know, dialogue where, um, you know, this is what I experienced. And then I did it this way, trying to protect you. And then I did it this way, trying to protect Mm. you. Um, Mm. you And it usually people will say sometimes like, Oh, that parent's living vicariously through their child. And I don't think they're living vicariously. I think they're trying to love them in a different way, hoping that it, you know, hoping that it is enhancing um, for them. And, you know, sometimes that communication can be really uh, skewed. Yeah. You know, this is so, so beautiful. I have chills when you just talked about kind of that triple generation and being able to have an open, honest conversation between a 19-year-old, a 40-something, and a 60-something of of our family and who we are and honest vulnerability. And I didn't know, and I was doing the best I can because I, I have to hand it to all of you who are parents out there. You didn't get your child with an owner manual. I mean, no one knows what to do. There are tons of books, but how do you even know which book you're supposed to read? And some of them are in conflict. And one of the things I've noticed leading retreats, and I actually led a retreat. I met both of you because you were on retreat, and then I fell so in love with both of you individually and so in awe of both of your professional brilliance. It was like, we've got to do something together. And I'm thinking of a retreat you both were on where you stood in a circle and then there was a circle of women around you and you received the positive reflection of what the other women saw in you. 
and how that experience you know, leads us, and it leads me anytime, if I'm at a retreat and someone does it with me, to actually come back to my strengths and who I am and what is beautiful about me. And it doesn't mean that I don't have anything to work on. It means that I work from my strengths to improve. And I, I have this vision of mothers and daughters being able to do that for each other, right? Have that intentional time you were talking about, Crystal, where they can share, they can heal because there there will be, of course, the healing of, of some of the pain and have the experience of sharing the gifts and the beauty and the joy. Because when do we ever do that? And seeing each other as individuals and as women, yes, um, you know, um, in a different way than you really look at each other on a daily basis or on a weekly basis yes. as mom or as daughter, but as women um, right. celebrating womanhood together. I had this experience when I was on SiriusXM. I got an email from a woman that she was very concerned with her daughter because her daughter already was concerned about weight at 12 and seemed to be on a diet and talking about her weight a lot. And so her mother called me and said, if I gather mothers and daughters in my living room, will you come talk? I said, absolutely, name the date. She was within driving distance, so it worked really well. So I showed up and there were 50 women in the room between mothers and daughters. and in that experience, each woman and young woman shared vulnerably, first on a piece of paper, so nobody, you know, her mom didn't have to read, but I asked, what are your, what are your fears? No one's going to see this. Don't worry about it, right? And the girls would write their fears, and they, they had been afraid to share that with their mother, or they had been afraid to disappoint their mother by having some self-doubt, or, you know, they didn't even know how to have that conversation, and they didn't know that their mothers also had self-doubt and fears, or they knew, but it was coming out in, in other ways. And so I'll, I will always remember at the end, there was this opportunity where I had the mothers and daughters face each other and share what they wanted to share. And the entire room was in tears. And in front of me, there was this 15-year-old, probably around 15-year-old girl, young woman, and her mom. And they were in tears, just hugging and hugging and hugging, sharing because they realized how much they actually have in common. And it healed the mother to hear her daughter's reflection of her. And it healed the daughter to hear the mother's true reflection of her. And that, so it was this very powerful experience. And I think, you know, that's the beauty of com coming together in groups, because I think that we struggle to find that out, that, that, that piece of empathy towards those people that we live our daily lives with and have shared experiences with until sometimes we take ourselves out of our environment and yes. be able to, you know, to look outside of that and to be in a completely different place with somebody that we care about in order to see them in maybe a different way and see them how a different way that other people see them too. Right. I think it sets the tone. You know, you're not going to just have that conversation one on one out of the blue with your mother or with your daughter. Like, oh, I see you and I see your inner beauty. <laughs> you know, um, it's got to be the tone is set in a group setting where it's safe to do so, I think, or, you know, invited. And ultimately, it is the safest of places to have those things. Like, we, I also, we all carry around thoughts of, you know, things that we want to confront people about, you know, we, mm. as we have those shared experiences with people, you know, sometimes they're not so positive. And, and, and so it's a place, it's a safe place to be able to communicate some of those things that we, you know, are scared to, to do so because of fear of loss or fear of that we're going to cause pain to, you know, our parent or to our daughter or the fear of a strained relationship where you can do that in a safe environment 
where other people can support you and come up with ideas and, and ways to support you. And ways to learn how to listen. I think a lot of times we know what we want to say to the other, but we don't know how to really hear and understand. And so I think having um, people to guide you on how to really communicate all of it, the positive and the negative together and learning how to ask to be heard. Oh, so this is so beautiful. You guys are getting me so excited because there really, there really isn't space, right? In the day-to-day when you are running to carpool or dance class, or even if it's, you know, an adult woman and you're 30 and your mom is 60, you know, and each of you is living your own lives, there isn't space to, or support to really learn how to, to communicate and learn to have the kind of relationship that you really want. So I also have been really looking into social emotional contagion lately. And what that means is that our emotions are contagious. Our moods are contagious. And however we're showing up in the world, other people can feel it. They can sense it. And it's having an impact on them. And I've been feeling into that this is why it's so important for every parent to do self-care and to to have self-love because how you are, how we are, and I'm not a parent, I'm a, I'm a step-parent, but in it, for me, it's not parenting. For me, it's my neighbors, it's my husband, it's my clients. But how we feel about ourselves, the research now shows, really does impact others. And so having this, this space to be able to, and permission to learn how to love ourselves is so important too, isn't it? Yes. And that that goes back to what we said before, like we live in an ecosystem and everything that happens in that ecosystem affects the entire system. Mm -hmm. Um, And we set the tone a lot of times, like the culture um, in our space as to what it's going to look like. So it's like having to put your oxygen mask on before you can help anyone with theirs. You know, um, it's really important to have an awareness of what you're putting out there, isn't it? And I also say, you know, the research always says as well that having that like downtime and it increases in your own personal life. So even outside of this whole dynamic that we're talking about relationships, just in general, you know, it increases productivity. People do well emotionally by creating that downtime and it just kind of makes you all all around better. And so if we think about like you were basically, Karen, you're saying to model that to your child is really important. Mm -hmm. And even if you can't model it, just to taking the time to do something like that for yourself is going to make your life better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have our mother-daughter retreat coming up May 3rd to 5th, and I am so excited. One woman I was talking about, she's in her 40s, and she wants to bring her mother who's in her 70s. And I know another mother who I happen to work with individually as a coach, her daughter is a 16-year-old and she wants to bring her 16-year-old. So it's going to be this beautiful experience. And I've been getting more excited about it because doing research for this episode and for our retreat coming up, I read a research study from 2013 that a daughter's self-esteem is directly impacted by the positivity in her relationship with her mother. So I want to hear from each of you, what is it that you're most looking forward to about this mother-daughter retreat. Let me go to you first, Lisa. Um, The thing I'm really most excited about um, about this retreat is just the idea of it being multi-generational and Mm. um, seeing um, all different uh, pairs of mothers and daughters at different stages in our life cycles and 
being able to watch each person or each each group gain wisdom from the others and insight, um, whether we're looking back on what we experienced before by listening to younger groups of mothers and daughters or younger groups of mothers and daughters listening to older groups and just, just celebrating womanhood and motherhood and daughterhood. I, do, I just think it's going to be beautiful. I'm so excited. Mm, me too. Me too. What about you, Crystal? What are you most looking forward to? Mostly the same as what Lisa's saying. Um, I think I get really excited about the, the, the fact that retreats are like that foundational piece. And we had that experiences with other people and we grow in those experiences of these people that are going to be complete strangers and you're going to be vulnerable around. And then they are that community even after. I mean, anyone that's, you know, experienced a retreat realizes that it doesn't end at the retreat. You have these relationships mm. that become lifelong relationships. And just like when a couple gets married and they talk about the fact that they need community to like uplift a relationship, I think that it, what we'll find is that you'll have women that are going to uplift your relationship with your, your daughter or your mother for the rest of your life. So I get really excited about those relationships being formed. Yeah, I have to I have to piggyback on that because I think that every time I've ever done a retreat or an intensive um, of this sort, I've come away with it with um, beautiful friendships that last and last. And we, you know, the the good thing about social media, I think, is that it's possible to keep these friendships around the country. Um, I just had a friend from one of your retreats, Karen, that I had met um, who was stopping through um, on a drive across the country, spent the night. So you just never know what kind of friendships and relationships you'll build and what you're in for um, and what mm. you'll walk away with. I love that so much. It's so, it's so interesting because I attend retreats and I host retreats and it is so much easier to share the truth actually with a group of strangers than it is the right. other soccer moms or than it is the other school moms or whatever it might be. And, but because you're sharing that depth of experience and in a vulnerable way, and of course there's going to be so much about the retreat that's healing and so much about the retreat that's uplifting and celebrating that you really do walk away with friends and support for life. So I love how you're saying that crystal, that it, we're creating a community because it takes a village, right? It really takes it a village. And yet the way we're living is the opposite. We're living in our silos in, you know, everyone's just doing the best they can to make it through their day and what you have going on. And so creating this community. So I was going to say both of what you both said. So I'll say the third thing I'm really looking forward to is creating healthy habits together and modeling healthy habits together. So we're going to be doing yoga and meditation together. The food, we're staying at this beautiful, incredible retreat center in the middle of acres and acres and acres of woods. And the food there is nourishing and healthy. And it, it's just going to, there's like so much like creating the healthy habits with each other and modeling that for each other. And then mothers and daughters can walk away and have that foundation together where they can check in on each other or do yoga together or do a meditation together. And so there's going to be this, this beautiful web of healthy habits, of community, and of multi-generation love that's happening at the same time. And fun. And fun. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so much be fun. fun. Yeah. So we talked <laughs> talk about a lot of healing, but it's going to be so much fun. We're planning activities that are uplifting and are like powerful and fun. And maybe we'll do some dancing under the moonlight. So it's in May. It's going to be perfect. You know, I have been doing this for a long time and I was reaching out to retreat centers for this particular mother-daughter retreat. 
And every single retreat center, no matter where it was in the United States, said to me, we have never heard of this concept. We love it. So what's amazing is, is that clearly there's such a need and an opportunity, an opportunity. People are not doing it. And so if this at all piques your interest and we hope that it does, we would love to host you and your daughter, you and your mother. Go to karenrockhine.com forward slash mother daughter. Of course, you can also find the link in the show notes. You can go to purposegirl.com. It'll be right there in the retreat section. We are just so honored and so excited to bring all of our expertise together into a powerful, uplifting, one-of-a-kind, never-been-done-before amazing retreat and community for you. So in one final question, let's end with this. What are you hoping for, each of you, from the women and girls that attend? And let's start with you, Crystal. My hope would be that everyone walks away from this, shifting their day-to-day interactions with each other into something more intentional and something more purposeful, correct? Something <laughs> that <laughs> where, where we have more empathy for each other and, and where we are practicing that in our daily lives. That's my main hope. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. And I know one of the things that you're going to be bringing to us is communication and some communication workshops and how we how we connect. So thank you. That's beautiful. And what about you, Lisa? What are you hoping that people walk away with from this retreat? I'm hoping that um, everyone walks away feeling better than they came mm. um, with a stronger um, relationship with each other and with the others that they meet. Mm. And mm. I'm just hoping that... that yeah, that everybody um, takes something away that enhances their life. Mm, so beautiful, so beautiful. And I love how your work combines healing with positive psychology and really creating opportunities for for the mother-daughter, for, for them to create that kind of healing and bonding. So, and I'll tell you what I want every woman to walk away from this retreat with is that women are so powerful that each of us has such opportunity in this world, no matter what your age, if you're 16 or you're 86, you have so much opportunity in this world to make an impact and that it begins with how you take care of yourself and then your social emotional connection to others and how you are interacting with others. And I have this vision of our final circle at the retreat and just big circle of of women, different ages, multi-generation, just, you know, holding arms and smiling and like in a final like rouse, like that is how we're going to change the world one woman at a time. And so I'm just so excited for each person individually to grow. And then what that's going to create in the world is, is going to be extraordinary. So Everyone should check out karenrockhine.com forward slash mother daughter. We will tell you that the space is limited. So we would love to work with every mother daughter out there, but the space is limited. So you're going to want to check that out soon because we have special pricing through March 15th. And then after March 15th, the pricing bumps up. So make sure that you're one of the first people to, you know, take one of the spots, take two of the spots, of course, and it's going to be incredible. 
So this retreat, Mothers and Daughters on Purpose, a retreat for intentional connection, is going to give you all of this and so much more. And we are so honored to support you and to support your connection and to support womanhood. And so make sure that you go to purposegirl.com, go on retreats, you can get it there. Or a quick link is karenrockhine.com forward slash mother daughter. As usual, we hope that you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. A few quick tips Take some intentional time with your daughter or with your mother or anyone in your life. 10 minutes is so important. Number two, be aware of how your past experiences are influencing this current relationship in your life and work on ourselves first. Give yourself the love that you want to see in your child and in your mother. There's actually incredible research right now that a lot of mothers are tuning into healthier eating habits because of their daughters. So it goes both ways. And number three, that really creating that healthy bond together is going to improve the self-esteem and your relationship and create a legacy for generations to come. So the retreat is Mothers and Daughters on Purpose, a retreat for intentional connection. We would love to support you there. As usual, we hope that you loved this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. If you did, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Tell us what you loved about it. We love hearing from you. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind. You can find me on Facebook at Coach Karen Rockhind. Join our free community of women who are deciding that we are going to choose to create a life of happiness and purpose and joy over at the Purpose Girls Facebook group. You can also find Lisa and find Crystal at their websites. You can find them uh, where to find them in the show notes. And of course, the most important thing that you can do is to share this episode with the women in your life. Share it with your mother. Share it with your daughter. Let's begin the conversation today. We are changing the world one woman at a time. So thank you for sharing this episode. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for creating this worldwide community of women changing the world. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.